we just pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here this morning, that you are in every single one of us, speaking to us individually but also collectively. And even this morning we've been sensing from you a very specific word and a very specific theme that you are wanting to minister into our hearts. I want to ask you a favor. Close your eyes. Just, I want you to picture your heart. I'm a very visual guy. I think Jesus was too. He always taught in parables and pictures. Picture your heart this morning. And Hebrews 4.12 says that the word of God pierces your heart in the most beautiful way. Just picture your heart this morning being pierced by every word of God, by the Holy Spirit. And as he does that, every hard part, every dry part falls away. As he does that, truth and lies are separated and deception has no place in your heart. So Father, we welcome your piercing truth, your piercing word into the depths of our hearts and we ask that you would do something transformative in our hearts today. Thank you, Father. So I'm, oh, it's incredible. I love it when God speaks like this. So Nadine and uh, Howie had no idea what I was sharing on. Still don't think you do, do you? And yet we started the first song, You're All I Want. You're All I've Ever Needed. And what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me last week already is, look, I want you to teach on God being our portion. Our portion. And so the Holy Spirit is clearly trying to say something to us. And I want to press pause for a moment and just sometimes to appreciate the journey, you've got to look back and see how far you've come. And I want us just to, for a moment to press pause and just look over our shoulder for a second. And we started off the discussion with the Holy Spirit and the journey that he had us on many months ago when he spoke to us about devotion. And yes, we know Acts 2.42 and we base and live our lives on those biblical foundations in the New Testament, a life of devotion. And we felt the Holy Spirit really challenging us to devotion, to devotion to the apostolic, devotion to fellowship. And fellowship is not just hanging out. Fellowship is moving, living, and having our being as a community in Christ. Everything we do is fellowship. What was that? That, was, that, that scared me for a second. Holy Spirit, you're pulling a different direction. <laughs> Everything we do is fellowship. Because the celebration of God's kingdom being advanced through his bride and his people. It's a celebration of our hearts being knitted together. I had a conversation with the Holy Spirit a week ago because Millie's was developing a bit of reputation out there for just wild, crazy times, but not necessarily moving forward in God. Everyone has their critiques. And I said to God, why have we built this one? He said, I needed to knit your hearts before I could move you forward. And there's no better way for our hearts to be knitted than encounters with the Holy Spirit gathered around the, th the throne of Jesus. And so for a couple of months, we had these incredible Holy Spirit moments and these times of worship. People are weeping. The Anton was weeping last week. 
but God just knitting our hearts together as we gathered around the throne of Jesus and the feet of Jesus and encountered God together. Public repentance on Wednesday and all of these beautiful things as God's making us more and more one. And slowly but surely, I feel God saying we can now begin to move forward together because we have each other's hearts. Because we've committed and devoted ourselves to fellowship to being his sons and daughters, to being his family, to being together in this journey. And it hasn't been easy. There'd be many bumps in the road, ups and downs and twists and turns. But at the end of the day, look at what God is doing in this congregation. And I want to thank each and every single one of you for giving of yourselves, not only to Jesus, but to one another. I would go so far as to say this. You can't give yourself to Jesus if you're not prepared to give yourself to each other. Because Jesus says this, how do you love a God who you can't see if you can't love your brother who you can see? So fellowship is one of the greatest acts of worship. And so we devoted ourselves in worship and we took a journey in worship of this, trying to find what God is doing in Milneton and not just copy and paste from another congregation. And even this morning, Nadine leading so beautifully and so prophetically, how are we jumping in? And we begin to see the Holy Spirit just massaging his culture and his ways into our ways. He's such a gentleman. Doesn't force us or oblige us, but gently comes and steers and guides. And then from that place of devotion, we began a conversation regarding discipleship. We saw that this was the primary vehicle that Jesus uses to establish his kingdom and further his church here on earth. Right throughout the New Testament, it's, it's, it's the, the great commission. There's not a second great or a third great. It's the great. Go and make disciples of all nations. And what does he say? He says, teaching them to obey. So he said, we can't just teach God's commands. We can't just stand up here and go, this is a, a good idea. This is what the Word of God says. No, we've got to say, this is what the Word of God says. But come, let's walk it out together. Let's figure this out step by step, side by side, as we teach each other to obey. And so we began the conversation around discipleship living in the light and living accountably with one another. And we had to get over some big hurdles and steps. Confidentiality and the facade of that being secure was a big thing that we had to cross over. You are not safe in confidentiality. You are isolated and susceptible to the enemy in confidentiality. You are safe in living in the light and in accountability. So I want to continue to encourage us all. Have voices speaking into your life. Have people that will encourage, that will stir up, that will edify, but also people that will correct and rebuke. If there is not someone in your life that has a greater authority and say in your life than you do, you're not being discipled, guys. You're being counseled. And you can pay for that in most doctor's practices. You'll get good counseling. But it won't bring the spiritual transformation, the renewal of the mind that Christ has promised us. You need to have, I've got Lucas over here. I can guarantee you, if I came to Lucas and said, I'm feeling this, and Lucas said, I don't agree. I promise you now, my wife is there, it's done. He has a greater authority in my life than I have in my own life. I'm telling you, it's not even a question. I submit wholeheartedly, because I know that's what safety looks like. Remember, we spoke about the upside down kingdom. The world wants you to be independent, because that's what safety looks like. Christ says, no, be like John, my beloved disciple, and lean on be so dependent on me and dependent on one another that you would be broken in isolation. So we're a body connected. There's no independence here. We are interdependent on one another. 
me bringing Dave into the fullness of what God has for him and Dave bringing me into the fullness of what God has for me. One by one, little by little, building one another up. So I want to encourage us with that journey of discipleship. Speak to your com leaders. Open up. Step into those spaces. Have those awkward conversations. I have many married men that come to me and say, Luke, I want to talk about my intimacy life. And I said, do you mean sex? People coming to me, Luke, I want to talk to you about my finances. Do you mean your bad spending habits? Luke, I want to talk to you about some of the, the inappropriate stuff I watch. Do you mean pornography? And that's the reality. We've got to have these open conversations and stop hiding behind Christian knees and fig leaves that we're covering ourselves with. There's no safety in that. Safety is in here I am, bumps, bruises, warts and all. And in that you'll be loved more by this family than you've ever been loved in your life. And you'll know that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no guilt, no condemnation. Then we spoke a little bit further about discipleship and it being the vehicle of establishing God's commands and obedience in our heart and walking out who we are in Christ together. And Adam shared so perfectly and so beautifully about obedience and what obedience is and the joy of obedience. And obedience being one of the significant keys to unlocking the blessing of God, the favor of God in your life. And how obedience isn't this heavy thing that hangs over you, no. Obedience liberates you and sets you free into walking in the freedom that Christ intended you to walk in. And so we choose to obey, not of obligation, but once again out of devotion. And then a couple of weeks ago, we felt the Holy Spirit really lay on our hearts this war within us against flesh and the spirit and how we blame the devil for most things we're guilty of. It's actually just our flesh, our preferences, our wants, our needs. I can guarantee you there are people here this morning that said, I wish worship went on longer. I wish worship was shorter. I wish Nadine sang that song. I wish someone else was preaching. I can guarantee, be careful not to allow your preferences to get in the way of God's plans and purposes. And sometimes our our preferences, they sound good, they sound right, they sound amazing because they come in the sound of our own voice, which is very, very convincing. So we're at war against the flesh and we constantly need to reject the flesh. And the Bible says that if you follow the desires of the flesh, it gives birth to sin, which gives birth to sin, which gives birth to death. And as sheep, we wonder. And it just, you don't wake up and all of a sudden you all by yourself. It's little step by little step, little deviation by deviation. And that's why discipleship is so key. Is as I walk with Eddie, I can feel, hey, hey, you actually, you're falling behind a little bit. Or you're drifting right. Or Eddie can look at me and go, you're running ahead a little bit. I was enjoying worship beautifully. I was loving it. Eddie and, uh, and Anton, separately, without knowing, both come to me and they said, we feel like the word needs to be preached now. I'm, I'm under complete submission to my elders team. What they say, I do. It's okay. Let's do it. And so we stay in sync when we stay in community. And then we spoke last week about, or the week before, about the shepherd and leading and knowing the shepherd's voice and spending time in the secret place, cultivating a culture of the secret place. Because the Bible says this, my, sh- my sheep know the shepherd's voice. And the challenge is today, we have voices all around us 24-7 that look, smell, and taste like our shepherd. On Instagram, on social media, on Facebook, 
I want to encourage you guys, be so careful. You are unknowingly training your ear to the voice of a false shepherd with many of the stuff that we listen to. If there's any doubt, bring it to a leader because you are day by day training your ear to a doctrine, to a theology, to a voice that is not your shepherd. So how do we get to know the shepherd? We come together, we read the word, we pray, we submit to our leadership. And we learned that the key to success, even Jesus' success, was his capacity to dwell in the secret place. And so this morning as we began to sing that song, you're all I want, you're all I ever needed, I felt God really say to me, I want my people to become fully satisfied with me. I want to be their portion. And that's what I want to discuss with us this morning. We ended last week talking about Psalm 23 and how the Lord is our shepherd, I shall lack no good thing. Put that up there, we'll read that quickly. Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. My soul. Where are we now? He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the, dwell in the, house, of the house of the Lord forever. And this is what an incredible picture of following Jesus, of staying close to our shepherd, of knowing his voice. But the first verse sums everything up. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The NIV says, I lack nothing. I have all that I need. David is writing and he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I have all that I need. If Jesus is your shepherd, if you're following him, you will lack nothing and you will have everything that you need because he will lead you. He will guide you. He will protect you. He will prepare a place for you. He goes before you and hems you in behind with his mercy and his goodness. Many of us are operating and functioning from a place of lack because we've tapped into inferior sources of provision inferior sources of security, inferior sources of identity. And I'll go so far as say not even inferior fraudulent. It postures and projects itself as the real thing. But it's not. It keeps you functioning from a place of lack. And David writes and says, he's your shepherd, you'll lack no good thing. In fact, he says, your cup shall continually overflow. You will live in a place where there's so much abundance of everything that you need that there will be an overflow for those around you. You'll be overflowing with joy, with peace, with goodness, with kindness, with every fruit of the Spirit. You'll be overflowing with every gift of the Spirit. You'll be overflowing with the life of the Spirit that eventually in John 7, Jesus says, come to me and I will cause rivers of living water to flow from your innermost being, that you become the river of life here on earth, that you become an extension of God's kingdom here on earth, a manifestation of heaven here on earth. So I want to encourage us, every single one of us, 
God needs to be our portion. David writes this in Psalm 73, 25 to 26, and he says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire. Press pause for a second. David looks prophetically into heaven. Because he, he was an incredible prophet, incredible man of God. He looks prophetically even into heaven. He says, even in heaven, there's nothing that compares to you. Even in all the glory of the universe, in all the glory of heaven, in all the beauty that exists in the known galaxy, there's nothing but you. And he says, when I look down to earth, there is nothing I desire besides you. So here we see a picture of David gazing into the heavens and says, there's nothing but you, God, that I desire. And then he takes his eyes off the heavens and looks at everything the world has to offer him. And he says, God, there's nothing on this earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. And this is King David, the most successful, greatest king that has ever lived conquered every army, won every battle, owned everything there was to own. And yet he looks at all of this and goes, it means nothing. I desire nothing besides you. And this was the key to David's success, the key to his life, everything that he was about, the very center of his existence and being was simply God was his portion. He was fully satisfied in him. If he had God, he needed nothing else. And that's what we're going to discuss this morning, is how do we get to a place where we are fully satisfied in him? And I want to ask every single one of us, including myself this morning, including my team, and be honest with yourself, is God your portion? Or when your car catches on fire, or maybe your finances are going through a tough time. Or maybe the service and the meeting hasn't quite gone how you wanted to. Or maybe you, you, there's a relationship or you've been hurt. Is God your portion? Or are there things in your life that you're leaning on a little bit more than you should? I love looking at the four Gospels. Every single gospel had a different perspective and a different angle, but there was only one gospel that had the angle of leaning on the chest of Jesus. And that was the gospel that didn't look at Jesus and go, son of Joseph, son of Mary. That was the gospel that looked at Jesus and said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. That leaning gave him a revelation of who Jesus was that no one else with natural eyes could see. And I want to tell you this morning, that when we lean into the bosom of Jesus and lean on nothing else, when he is fully and totally our portion, we will begin to tap into a revelation that will result in a freedom that surpasses anything this world has to offer you. And it's simply, will you lean on Jesus and nothing else? Will you make him your portion and not rely on the things of this world to find security, identity, comfort? Can we be like David and go, doesn't matter if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Doesn't matter if I'm lying down in a green pasture. I lack nothing because I'm with my shepherd. It doesn't matter where my feet are standing. The only thing matters is where my head is leaning. Where is your head leaning? 
The Word of God says, trust not in your own understanding, but lean. Sorry, it says, lean not in your own understanding, but trust in the Lord. So what does trust look like? It looks like leaning. It looks like leaning. Kate has had to trust crutches for the past couple of months, and you have to. You put all the weight onto that. And so trust, the practical manifestation and expression of trust is can you fully lean into Jesus without feeling the need to hold on to savings, without feeling the need to hold on to a a plan B, hold on to a career. Can you fully lean upon the bosom of our beloved Jesus and get a perspective and a revelation that will lead you into freedom and satisfaction. We see the life of David, and he's fighting the lion, he's fighting the bear, he's standing before Goliath. He's fleeing for his life from Saul. He's weeping and repenting before before God in fear, in sin, in failure, in loss, in victory, in celebration, in every season, in every way, at all times, God was his portion. It wasn't when things were going well or when things were going bad. Some of us, when things are going well, we run to God. Some of us, when things are going bad, we run to God. David wasn't running to God. He stayed with God. God was his shepherd. He stayed nearby. He was his portion in every season at all times. And some of us are sitting here this morning going, God, I need this breakthrough, so I'm going to lean into you. Some of us are sitting here this morning saying, God, when I get this breakthrough, I'm going to lean into you. But ultimately, until we lean into the one we love, we will never walk in the freedom that he has purchased for us when he lay himself bare on that cross in Calvary. The greatest meal the world has ever had is when the bread was broken and the blood, the blood, the the wine was spilt on that cross. And if we come to that cross and eat of that cross, we will never hunger nor thirst again. And that's our portion. Our portion hung on a tree so that we could live in fullness and freedom. David didn't look to the things of this world. God was always more than enough. Right throughout the word of God, we see men and women doing incredible things. You go all the way back to Genesis and you see Abraham and you see Noah and you see all of these men doing incredible things. You see women doing incredible things in the word of God and every single one of them without exception. Jesus was their portion. And they had no plan B. They had no get out clause. They had no, if this doesn't work, then I'm going to do that. Every single one of these men and these women lived lives where God was their portion and they lacked nothing because he was everything that they need. And I want to press pause for a moment and talk to you about another man in the New Testament that lived this way. Sometimes we're in church for a while and we assume everyone knows the Bible, everyone knows the story. But I want to take a moment just to tell you about a man called Paul that was first called Saul. And so there was this Jewish leader, one of the most astute leaders, one of the most respected and revered leaders in the New Testament. In every regard, he was successful. He was the best of the best and his name was Saul. 
And he saw these Christians moving around, and this was not the Jewish way. This was counter-Jewish way. And he began to persecute these Christians, persecute the church. He was the most zealous, the most passionate. Nothing would stop him from persecuting Christians and stopping this church from breaking out, preventing revival. And so Paul would go from town to town, from village to village, from church to church, locking people up, imprisoning people. In fact, the first martyr in the New Testament was a man called Stephen. And it was, Paul was, Saul was standing there on the day, watching as they stoned him to death, cheering on in the crowd. So this was a man that could not have been more against Jesus and Christianity. This is a man that could not have been more successful and powerful and established and independent in his own right. There was nothing he hadn't achieved. All of our achievements in this room collectively could not even touch his credentials and his CV. And then one day traveling to Damascus, he, Jesus appears before him and says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And paraphrasing Saul says, who are you? I'm not persecuting you. He says, I'm Jesus. And in that moment, Jesus takes his sight from him and makes him blind for three days. And then a few days later, someone comes along and Ananias comes along and prays over him and receives his sight. And then Paul is such a radical conversion that today even the world talks about, even non-Christians will say, this is a Damascus Road experience. Even non-Christians will talk about a life-changing experience of this nature. And so we find Paul now even more zealous for the things of God, even more competent and equipped for the things of God, anointed and called as extreme as he was against God. Now he's so much more even for God. He's the Hebrew of Hebrews, the most revered and respected man on earth in that area, or in that area. And now his life turns around, now he's, for Jesus. And Paul writes this beautiful part in Scripture that many of us have quoted, many of us know off by heart. And we've said it countless, countless times. And it's in Philippians, it's 4 verse 11, and it says this, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Every single one of us in this room have probably heard that Scripture. Every single one of us have probably quoted that scripture. It's normally just before you do something that you're not qualified to do or is a bad idea. <laughs> Skydiving, bungee jumping, higher grade maths, that was mine. <laughs> and I can tell you what, I couldn't do all things through Christ who strengthened me. <laughs> couldn't do algebra, couldn't do that. But here we see, and this is probably one of the most misunderstood, misquoted, misinterpreted, just completely miss scriptures in the Bible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know why? Because we need to understand the context first. So Paul now has gone radical for Jesus, radical for the church, zealous and devoted, everything we want to be as Christians and followers of Christ. Paul writes this letter to the church, but he writes it while chained up, sitting in the prison cell in the dark, rats running around his feet, hungry, thirsty, prisoners screaming and shouting, the wardens banging on the gates, 
We're going to kill you Christians. We're going to martyr you Christians. You're dead. And then Paul, in the darkness of his cell, writes and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But he starts a few verses earlier in verse 11, and he says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. So we quote the scripture as if it's a charge going forward. I'm about to take this hill. I'm about to take this mountain. I'm about to conquer this enemy, defeat this battle, take this land and territory, walk in the fullness of what God has for me. Shall we go? I can do all things. And Paul's saying, No. I'm in chains. I'm in a prison. I'm cold. I'm hungry. I might die tomorrow. I've been beaten, I've been bruised, I have nothing. Everyone's turned against me. And here from my prison cell, I want you to know that because he is my portion, because he is all I need, because I'm, I've learned to be content in little and much. I've learned to praise him in the prison and praise him in the palace. I've learned to dance in the streets and to mourn in the cell because of this, because I don't allow the world around me to define and determine what God is doing in me because the source of life is Jesus, because I have learned to be content in every season at all times. Therefore, Christ who strengthens me. He's not talking about the Holy Spirit coming into you and making you a superhero and giving you powers and abilities. He's talking about your heart being undivided. He's talking about your heart being devoted. He's talking about your heart not clinging to the things of the world. This isn't about the Holy Spirit bringing you to walk on water, to raise the dead or to open blind eyes or cause the lame to walk. No. This is about you sitting in nothing and going, I've got everything I need because I'm with my shepherd. I've learned to be content because in every season at all times, God is my portion and he is more than enough and he is everything I need. I don't know about any of you today, but there might be some of us that internally we feel like we are in a cage, in a prison, and your prison might be sin. Your, your chains might be addiction. The lack of light might be hopelessness and not knowing where to go. And the voices saying we're going to martyr you and kill you and banging on the jail cell might be accusation, it might be the devil, it might be people, it might be just voices that are trying to drown out the noise and the voice of your shepherd whispering, saying, I will lead you, I will guide you, I will make you lie down, I will provide for you, I will protect you, I will be with you in that cell, I will be with you in the valley, and you will lack no good thing. And you will have everything you need. 
because you are with me and I am your portion. Paul uses such beautiful language. He says, I've learned the secret of being content. To be content means to be fully at peace. It's a picture of Jesus in the bottom of the boat as the disciples are fearful and anxious and Jesus resting. And we started off this morning by saying we want to enter into the rhythm of God, which is rest. The first indication that you've exited rest is, the, is rush. I'm this old, I should have done this by now. I'm this old, I need to get this done. This should have happened. I should have had this, a house. I should have had a wife. I should have a husband. I should have been doing this. And you've exited the place of rest and you've adopted the rhythm of this world where it tells you you're not enough and you've got to do more. So Paul says, I found the secret to being content, fully at peace, fully satisfied, and fully at rest. And he says, Jesus is my portion in every season. I'm fully satisfied in him. I want to ask David, just come strum on the keys for us, please. John Piper says this, and he says it beautifully. Give me a few more moments of your attention. Because I do believe that if you allow this word to pierce your heart this morning, God will cut you off from every fraudulent and inferior source that the world has tried to get you addicted to. The most beautiful source, we see the picture of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And Jesus says, if you come and drink of this water, you'll have to drink again. And many of us are drinking of the waters of our career, the waters of the affirmation of man, the waters of finance and how much I have in my savings, the waters of God, I've got God, but just in case, I've got this plan B. And the challenge is you're going to have to keep drinking of those waters day by day, week by week, without ever finding the secret to being fully content. And Jesus looks at this woman and says, if you drink of me, if I become your portion, you'll never thirst again. If you come to me, the one source, if I'm your identity, if I'm your security, if I'm your provider, if I'm your protector, come to me. Drink of me. And you'll never thirst again. And John, he takes it even further. He says, drink of me. And I will cause you to be a source for others. But we first need to walk away from every other portion that the world throws our way. And say, I'm done with that. Because you can't fully give yourself to the portion called Jesus. If you're filling yourself up from the things of the world. And John Piper says this, he says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with him. I'm going to repeat that for a second. 
God is most glorified in us. So do you want to know what the glory of God manifest looks like here on earth? God, send your glory. We want to see your glory. Do you know what the glory of God looks like on earth? A son and a daughter fully satisfied in the love of their father. <laughs> That's what it is. Signs and wonders follow. Yes, it's all amazing. It's great. But at the very center of God's glory being poured out, manifested, breaking out on earth, are sons and daughters fully satisfied in their dad, saying, you are my portion. I don't need anything else. Whatever else comes is a bonus, is a, is a, a benefit, it's an addition. But if you want to see God's glory here on earth, give yourself to being satisfied fully and totally by Him. And a part of doing that is saying no to the other things that's been satisfying you. The other things you have your identity in. And some of us here today, your identity might be in serving in church. It's such a good thing to serve, but it shouldn't be you. Serving is what you do. It's not who you are. You're a son. You're a daughter that chooses to serve. A career is something you do. It's not who you are. You're a son and a daughter who chooses to work and chooses to be faithful. What you do isn't who you are. Who you are is a son and a daughter who is loved more than you could ever imagine by a kind, loving, good father. And as we receive that love and know that love, his glory begins to radiate from us and through us that we become the light of the world. But we have to choose and make the choice. What are you drinking of? What are you eating of? Who are you running to as the source of your security, as the source of your identity? Psalm 16 verse 5, David writes and says, this is so good. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You, Lord, hold my lot. My lot means my life. You hold everything I have. David says, the Lord is my chosen portion. And I want to tell you this morning, you have the capacity and the ability to choose him as your portion to choose Him as your source, to choose Him as everything and to be fully satisfied in Him. Paul writes in his, in his prison cell, cold and dark and wet and broken, and some of us have been through some tough things, but I don't know if you've been in a prison cell back in those days and not knowing if the next person coming down the corridor is coming down to kill me. Not knowing what the next step is. And Paul, 
I mean, most of us at this stage, God, you've abandoned me. What's going on? And Paul says, no, you haven't abandoned me. You've just become my portion more and more and more. And these four walls don't confine me because I live and move and have my being in a God who has become my everything. And he writes, and as he writes, those chains rattle because he's bound. And he says, I have found the secret the secret to being content, the secret to success, the secret to life. Jesus, you are my everything. You are my portion. And because of this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And David writes and says this, I've chosen you. God, I've chosen you above all the wealth of the world, above the opinions of man, above everything else. He writes and says, I've looked into heaven and all I see is you and I've looked around me and all I desire is you. I have chosen you as my portion. I want to ask us, myself, Anton, every single one of us, is he your portion? Fully, totally, undiluted, without compromise. We have to choose. It's not something that just happens. We have to choose and say, I want you to be my portion. And you might be feeling this morning, that's a big prayer to make. That's a big ask. I don't know if I'm ready. You'll never be ready. But as you choose him, he comes rushing in. And his grace picks you up and carries you. His grace picks you up and sustains you. All he needs you to do is return and say, Whatever part of my heart isn't fully satisfied in you, whatever part in my heart is still looking to the things of the world, whatever part in my heart is still hurt and still broken and still caught up in the past, even with all of this mess, in my sin, in my brokenness, even not knowing how to do it, I choose you to be my portion because everything else has left me hungry and thirsty and broken and dry. Everything else has left me in those chains in that prison cell. Everything else has left me. I want to be like Paul. I want to be like David and say, even in my prison cell, even in my sin, even in my suffering, even in my pain, even in my brokenness, I choose you, Jesus. You are my portion. You are more than enough for me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He is everything I need. And I want to take a moment this morning. If this has touched your heart and you're feeling the Holy Spirit highlighting areas in your life where you've just leaned a bit more than you should, leaning on the things of this world for security or comfort or trust, Maybe you're here and you've, I love Jesus, but I've got a bit of a plan B, just in case. I want to invite you this morning, as David says, I've chosen you as my portion. I want to invite you here this morning, come forward and lay 
whatever it is that is not of him, that is for you.